supposed to be that like rough and tough environment and you're supposed to be rough and tough that's expected so what if you're not you can still be a fantastic chef what if you don't like have a thick skin what if you do get offended what if yeah. you know you've got mental health issues or things like that hello everyone welcome back to the birmingham food podcast that is breaking bread I'm your host, Liam. Sitting opposite me is my brother from another mother, Carl McCaffrey. How you doing? I said your second name. Put it out there. Hello, oh, people know it. Jesus. No, it's, it's public information. It's public find information. That out. Good luck pronouncing my second name. Ha! <laughs> yeah, Mr. Hahi. That's not too hard. Not if you've known me for 20 years now. How you doing? Good. I didn't realise how echoey this room is. Your kitchen's a lot less echoey than this. No, I just presume mine would be really echoey. Mm. There's nothing bits in there and it's all hard. Yeah, this has got soft furnishings, but it's still. And there's no jazz today, so anyone tuning in for jazz, just for jazz, we apologise for that. Yeah, it's not about Didn't bring in. Not so much of an intro again because I think we're just slowly turning into Joe Rogan and having three hour long episodes from now on like this isn't three hours i'm not joking it's an hour <laughs> <and a> half <laughs> but it is long so we don't want to go on forever with this intro obviously if you want to know where we've been eating where we want to eat and any other exciting news you can join our community over at breaking bread bite size sign up via email there's links on all of our social and everything like that i'm sure you'll find it it'll be on the show notes this episode why didn't I just say that in the first place? <laughs> if you listen to this, you'll find them. Yeah, so go and enter your email in that and you'll get a nice little newsletter from us in two weeks. The only place I will give a little plug to because I'm really excited for massive fans of everything they do. And we've done a podcast with Barry and Gail before. Awesome people. That's uh, Parkinson's. From, they do a secret supper club. Obviously, the last couple of years have been messed about with COVID and everything, but this year it's back. It's in the jewelry quarter. 26th of April. It's going to be awesome. Like, I'll put links to that on the show notes to this episode as well, so you can go and have a look. Tickets go on sale. Tickets go on sale on the 14th of March. So in about a week. So be sure to get them. They do sell out. It's an awesome evening. And an awesome chat. Yeah, Parkinson's UK. The lights are very, very good. Yeah, we you haven't get, been on one because they cancelled the one when it's supposed to because of COVID. Yeah, you get to meet Barry as well. Barry's a legend, isn't he? Yeah, love that. So yeah, swiftly as I said, because it's a long episode. Swiftly on to today's episode, International Women's Day. This is our special episode. Normally comes out on a Monday. Stuck it out Tuesday to coincide with International Women's Day. It's a great episode. Yeah, well, an episode. I it's mean, really nice chat. It's a more chat really about hospitality in general. Yeah. It's not really specific to any person or no specifics. It's just hospitality and also touches on hospitality and women in hospitality. It's a massive thing, and rightly so, International Women's Day. But we're very conscious of the fact that we're two men and we're not sure what, what really conversation we can have about it. But, you know, 
We're heavily influenced by the women around us, both strong very women, strong, very strong, wives. <laughs> strong wives, strong daughters, have yeah. strong sisters, strong strong mothers. I think they've more than a little bit influenced everything we do, really. And we wanted something we could do, and we've had some awesome women on the podcast over the three years we've been doing this. You know, too many to list. We could have just cut and spliced a few highlights from all of an episode and put out this lazy International Women's Day, look at all the amazing women we've had on the podcast kind of episode. We didn't want to do that. No. And then Joe and Yana kind of... Oh, they just said, do you want to do yeah. an International Women's yeah. Day podcast? Like, yeah, they gave right. us a better idea. Great idea. We're open. If people have got an idea, this podcast doesn't have to be our ideas. Yeah. People can come to us with good ideas and we'll consider if we can do it or not. Yeah, this is much better just give two awesome women who work in hospitality a platform to just tell it how it is, tell us mm-hmm. what it's really like, you know. Focus on that. It's warts and all, there's parts of it that might be difficult to listen to, some of it you might not agree with. We just wanted to give them a platform to say exactly what they wanted to play, say, and we kind of took a back seat on this one, tried to get involved as much as we can. But yeah, it's really interesting. Oh, well, it's really interesting. interesting. It's good to, I learned some stuff that I didn't know before. There's a part of the podcast we talk about harassment, and, you know, I worked in hospital for years, never experienced it. But the gals, you know, they had story after story about experiences that they've unfortunately had to deal with. Yeah, it's something we could all think about and then we talk a bit about the good things of hospitality and working in hospitality and have a little discussion about it. Maybe we can get more women into the industry because we could do with it. It's all talked about in the podcast. It's a big episode, so I'm saying. Yeah, it's it's an important episode. Yeah, it's an important episode. And it's a lot of fun as well. Like, you might think, oh, this is going to be a bit heavy. No. No, I didn't... Some places I felt like I probably shouldn't be laughing, but half the laughter is rather shock laughter. Like, oh my God, I don't believe that's how it's shocking that's crazy and a lot of it was just we had a lot of fun recording it it's Yana and Vic from Wine Freedom there's some cool art down at Wine Freedom for the week well for the month oh it's worth seeing anyway just see Wine Freedom with that art it looks fucking awesome yeah and awesome wine and Wine Freedom wild flights we're getting to all of this in the podcast so thanks for listening as always we love you for it if you do enjoy it tell at least one friend and hopefully spread the word about how amazing Birmingham is and its hospitality. Ladies and gentlemen, Yana and Vic. Yana and Vic. Yes, never Vicky. Never Vicky. Yeah. Actually, can you include that? Because loads of people in Birmingham <laughs> yeah. keep calling me Vicky and it really pisses me off. Right, we're keeping that in. <laughs> I've been recording for like 10 minutes. They're amazing. That's <laughs> well, I'm in all sorts yeah. of shit. They're then. not all about your parrot. Yeah, That's why all I about the parrot. the fact about the cat so we could look intelligent. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Well, in that sense. case, so while we're on it, in you, know, you know when like you send an email and you respond with like, I respond with Vic. And then someone responds with, hey, Vicky. And I'm like, fuck's sake. Yeah, I get, hey, James. It really pisses so. me off. And I'm just like, my name is Vic or Victoria. It's not Vicky. I get, hi, Jane. Stop calling yeah. so many times. Stop calling you Jane now. I imagine you get uh, Jan a lot as well. I get Jana on the phone a lot. Or just yeah, Jan. Hey, Jan. Even though it's Jan, like, no, no, you got the beginning wrong. <laughs> I respond to anything, though. That's the thing. As long as I can recognize that as Oi. my name, I'm like, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I always tell people you can call me literally whatever you want, but if you call I'm me Vicky, like, no. Not a fan. Sometimes no, it goes too far. Like, you know, somebody you see a few times and they've called you the wrong name a few times yeah. and then you're kind of stuck with yeah, it. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, this you can't. And this is why so many people call me Vicky that have known me for like 20 years or something. And I'm just like, oh, every time they speak to me, I'm like, stop. 
but it's it's gone on way too long. That's it. But it's really awkward when <laughs> yeah. they ask you then, and then you have to correct it because obviously <laughs> you know you can't then lie, and it destroys them. Like, oh my god, why didn't you say anything? And you're like, I did when we first fucking met. When we first met, I made it really clear that what my name was, and you just ignored it. Anyway. <laughs> Yana and Vicky, welcome to the show. Fuck you. <laughs> 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 We're not friends anymore. Fair time, Vicky. Yana and Vicky. Thank you. How are you doing? Not too bad. Very well, thank, thank you. you. How are you? Yeah, both good. I get for enough. People never normally ask. <laughs> <laughs> we work in hospitality. <laughs> it's our jobs to care. It's our we jobs to pretend really care. to care how you are. <laughs> we just ask anyway. <laughs> So as I said, we'll do an intro separate, but do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourselves, what you get up to uh, professionally? So I work at Wine Freedom, as we both do, obviously. Um, I'm doing external events with them now. I was doing a bit of food before, and um, there's a misconception that I'm still doing that. I'd just like to put out there that. That's not me at the moment. <laughs> you make all the bread. And like, oh, yeah, bake all the bread. On. That's right. I do still bake all the, the bread. You do the brioche, make the focaccia. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So we make all our breads in-house and that's what I do. I love the smell of freshly and it's baked all, bread. And it's all venue. sourdough as well. So there's oh, some real man. effort that goes into that. Um, How old is your starter? Sorry? How old is your starter though? I, um, well, so I've inherited this from somebody else. So this was passed past on to me. And yeah. um, I've been maintaining it for a year, so it's not that old. I don't know how old. It must be like about two, three years old. Yeah. Um, if it was 15 okay. years old, would it be the best bread ever? I don't think it makes much of a difference, to be honest. Like, no. obviously, the longer you keep it going, the stronger the culture sort of is. But I think once you get to about a couple of years, it pretty much just stays the same. It's just maintaining it. So I don't think it makes that much of a difference, <laughs> to be honest. Some people would disagree, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but if you've got a really active starter, you've got a really active starter. I was I was given a that. starter when I moved into my into the flat mm-hmm. that I, I bought like in 2016. I didn't yeah. know what it was. Someone just brought it as a moving in present, and I was like, "Oh, this is this jar of disgustingness," and I just threw it away. And I, I didn't oh, no. know what it was. Well, if anyone wants a sourdough starter, I can, <laughs> I can give you some. Uh, I didn't know what it was, and I, I just sort of accepted it as that kind of weird, like, thanks. Like <laughs> it was just gross. And I was oh, just like, you terrible! Person. It smelled horrible. So I was just like politely took it and was like, <laughs> "Well, it shouldn't bin. smell horrible." In all fairness, but it was yeah. just a bit weird. Can I have the sourdough starter? Now I know what it is. Now I understand. But they were so offended because they were like, "Oh, how's the bread coming along?" I was like, "What are you talking about?" Oh, and no. they were like, oh, "And then they were like, oh, the thing that I gave you." And I was like, "Oh, oh no!" I thought you just didn't like me. <laughs> I can give you a new one. Maybe. There you go. I think it's going to start baking very soon. <laughs> but yeah, so I do external events um, at Wine Freedom at the moment. So anywhere we go for a festival or um, soon we'll be doing Digbeth Dining Club. That's me. Plug, plug, plug. Plug, plug, plug. plug, plug. <laughs> That's me organizing that at the moment. That's my job. What kind of events? Like, what do you mean? Like- um, so we're going to a big festival in June if everything goes as it should Bigfoot Festival that's so you'll good. have like the craft a beer festival tent or something yeah. yeah we'll have a stretch tent and we'll have a bar there and yeah people can come and sit down and have some lovely wine we're going to be those wine guys at the beer festival at the beer festival yeah 
I think we appreciate it probably. I think we we fall into the same range as craft beer. Oh, I yeah, for on sure. the wine side. So yeah, it, it doesn't stand out. To it. It's it's like oh yeah, there there. And variety <laughs> is the spice of life. Like an entire weekend of beer. Yeah, but, no. but I feel like with wine freedom, with it being all natural and yeah. organic wine, it kind of does fit in. That's it. It yeah. does fit in because it's it's a long. It's basically craft wine. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah, you've got yeah, things yeah. like wild yeast, and more fermentation, that sort of thing. Which actually, yeah. there's a lot of similarities between like lambics and like different types of beers. So actually, yeah. there is a lot of similarities, and there's a lot more playing around with natural wine. Than there is some you know, sort of conventional winemaking. People take a lot more risks uh, to the extent where, at the extreme end, you don't really know what to expect when you open the bottle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, that, that, and that's that's yeah. what we're here for. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we fit. Pick your role. Uh, so I am the new general manager at Wine Freedom. I've been with Wine Freedom for all of a month. I think has it been a month? I think it's been a little more than a month to be yeah. honest I just I, well I picked up the odd shift here and there but like officially it's just <laughs> been over a month but um so yeah I joined Wine Freedom previously I was with Loki for nine years running that um so I've got about just around about 10 years in the wine industry so that's, which that's one were you best the Great Western or? So I, I was kind of more of a sort of ops manager, I guess. So I was with like right from the start. So Phil and I kind of sort of set that up. So Great Western Arcade and then launched Edge Bast and then Noel uh, back last February. So mm. sort of right from the beginning for that one. What was your background in wine? Did you, have you done, what's it called? The set? Uh, WSETs. Yeah. So I've got level three. I got like years ago. I don't remember half of it. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> the, the, the best way you can learn about wine is just drinking it. That's so, what I'd tell myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, I've learned nothing and I've been drinking so, loads. Um, <laughs> I must be drinking it wrong. I've got all the official like um, qualifications, but the, the best qualification you can have is, is just drinking wine. Yeah. Because yeah, you can read anyone can read a textbook, but you need to actually experience that again. That's what I yeah. keep telling myself. You still have to do the reading though. That's probably where <laughs> oh, you yeah, go wrong. Yeah, 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 no, I was just reading. doing the drinking. I read the bottle. It's kind of it's finding a harmony, like a balance between the two. But yeah, the the best way to learn about wine is to drink wine. Really? Had you always been into wine or no? <laughs> when I first got into wine, so when I first uh, got involved with Loki. Um, I used to just buy two bottles of red from the local offie for like a fiver. Um, I think it was like Cabernet Sauvignon that I was drinking. Like looking back Sorry, on it, it's absolute dog shit. Like, and, <laughs> um, that was the extent of my wine knowledge. And then I found found myself like thrown massively in the deep end, um, just running Great Western Arcade on my own when like Phil would be on a trip to Italy or something. And I was like, I drink two bottles for a fiver. And um <laughs> giving people wine advice and I haven't got a clear what's going on. So I had a very, very swift <laughs> learning process to deal with. Um, and it turned out that I have a, a natural palate for wine and just that sort of thing. So actually I kind of picked it up pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, it's not something I meant to do. <laughs> Did you blag it? Did you like Oh yeah, I totally blagged it. <laughs> like, um, I kind of come from more of an art background, more like music, art, film background. And when you do an art degree, the first thing you learn if you're good at it is the art of bullshit. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, not that I'm saying that we bullshit, but but the, 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 the biggest thing is like, I think, uh, selling the story of wine, really, rather yeah. than the technical side. Um, so I'm way more interested in the people that make the wine yeah. rather than like the soil types or like whether it's a north like facing slope or whatever. Mm. I think with most people, 
the eyes kind of glaze over when you start talking about soil or those sort of there things. There are certain so, people who like really get off on yeah, that. Yeah, but it's but, very few. Yeah, few <laughs> um, Yeah, so it's useful to know that stuff. But yeah, I'm way more interested in in the like the the people who make it, especially in natural wine, because they're all like proper characters. Yeah, and I always describe it to people. It sounds a bit weird, but um, when it comes to natural wine, that that bottle to me is like an expression of that winemaker is their personality it's like kind of it's like a slice of their soul that's a bit too much yeah, it's a bit too, but it's like it, it's you know because the the way that they make their wines it's a lifestyle it's not yeah. you know it's it's they live and breathe it and, yeah, so there's definitely not yeah. a, a very commercial setup is no, it? no. so i mean and i've, quite I mean, I've been way. lucky i've been to you know wineries all over the world and i've i've seen some of the commercial setups and jesus christ you know it's yeah there's there's no soul um <laughs> i am definitely more of the smaller producer the natural winemakers you know it's it's they, they actually care about what they're doing and mm. they care about sustainable um agricultural like processes yeah. and all this sort of stuff and you can taste that in the wine um it's like any organic product really isn't it yeah there's there's always a bit more i think with organic in general because it's never a commercial choice Never really. When big companies go onto it and like add an organic line, maybe that's for commercial reasons. But a small <laughs> inverted, a small inverted organic <laughs> line. Yeah, but a small a small organic producer is never going to do it for the money. So you definitely yeah. see that all the way through to the product, and then winemaking it goes that bit further where you then have the more creative characters. Essentially. It's just more personality generally, yeah. and to me, I can taste that. Yeah, it must be a good sell as well to win people because I. Buy a lot of wine from Wine Freedom, and always like I'm a big, big fan of theirs. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I always want to know. It's, as you said, it's it's almost selling the person that's made the wine rather than oh, selling yeah, the 100%. wine. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, we do the wine flights uh, when like you come into the bar, so we do like um, three glasses of wine and just do a little taster, and we'll come over and just like for a few minutes, just talk you through the wines, and just it's really about the story about that person that's made the wine. Um, so you can kind of, I think, especially when you're drinking like a craft product, it's important to have that sort of understanding and relationship of the person who's made it because it's part of that package. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what we're sort of there to do. Yeah. Again, like sort of blinding you with information and also wine freedom and a lot of other wine places in Birmingham, the whole ethos is to demystify wine and make it you know more approachable so if you're there going yeah the ph levels in the soil blah 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 you know like anyone's (laughs) just gonna sit there going like don't know what the fuck you're talking about (laughs) really intimidated (laughs) whereas if you've got a funny story um or like you know a slightly you know offensive story with some swear (laughs) words in there you know and like you know because there's plenty of those and i think people can kind of relate to it a bit more it makes it a little bit more yeah, I think I think it depends. It depends on who's sitting there. Basically, we do get some people and who really know their wines and who do want to know all those technical details and who really you know, and again that's get the art of hospitality, that. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Really, it's like so you kind read, of read, yeah, the read the room, them, like. read, the room yeah. read the table, ask them as well. Like, sort of, have you done much wine tasting? Do you know much about wine? If they say we've got no clue, then great, you know, kind of tell the stories and. And make it as easy for them as possible. If they've got a whole load of knowledge that they come in with, then obviously you have to deliver on that level. And I think it's it's that like making it right for whoever comes in. Mm. That's the skill. More Is there much thing. snobbery from like the traditional kind of wine people towards towards natural wine? Yes. Yeah, yeah, We've interviewed a few people, and this definitely. has come up a couple. Yeah, having having <laughs> having come from a more traditional wine sort of side, yeah, one hundred percent. 
and I've always been really interested in natural wine and I've been met with a lot of like snobbery to that. Yeah, I get it, I get it even from my it's parents. It's not real wine. <laughs> it tastes like cider, or like yeah. Oh, the the, oh, the like classic yeah. one is that uh, natural wine is just an excuse for badly made wine. That's you get a lot. Yeah, Which, I mean sometimes fair, it yeah, is. There, oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like there are some people that make shit awful wine, and then they're like, "What to say?" But obviously you get that with conventional <laughs> wine as well. So it doesn't oh really yeah, totally. Eat, but. but it's and and I kind <laughs> of understand variety. that point of view to a point. And having, I mean, I've only been in the wine for ten years, which is, I mean, a long time and also a short time. But having seen the natural wine movement grow in that time, like I mean, it's a totally different place now than it was, like say six, seven years ago, where you know I went to quite a few natural wine fairs and was just like, this is really awful. You know, there was a lot of gimmicky sort of stuff, like wine that had been like fermented in a cow hide. And I was like, really <laughs> want that? I was just like, what is this? What is disgusting? And they had the actual like Tempting. hide there. And like there was loads of hipsters just fighting over trying this wine. And I was like, this tastes disgusting. Yeah. And it was just like proper gimmicky stuff. We've so been we've I'm been to wine tastings. We've been to wine tastings before. Like you know, when you go to buy wine or decide on new wine to buy, like trade um, tastings. Trade tastings, um, where they're talking about the wine and they're like, "Oh, this is amazing! It's amazing! You taste it, and it's faulty. Like it's not. It's just like not a good wine." Wines. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can say what you want, but it's not a good wine. <laughs> yeah. So it can be used by some people as an excuse for poor wine making. So I totally get why there's that snobbery. Yeah. But I it's... met somebody recently. Who, so I don't even know what her relationship to wine was. I think she's somehow involved in the wine world. Um, and this was on a night out, we were all quite drunk. But she goes like, "Oh, yeah, natural wine, but natural wine is just shit. <laughs> it's just a blanket state." When I was like, "All of it? <laughs> I guess it's just every shit." Bottle. I, to be right. honest, my my view with people like that, and especially the like, the, especially the more educated sort of snobby wine people, when they say that kind of stuff, is that actually I think they're intimidated by it because they don't understand it. I wonder. I just thought there's no because point just, arguing if follow, that's where you start. Yeah. Like the the way that natural wines are made, it doesn't follow that conventional process that mm. they know and understand. It it's a bit well, it's wild, you know. And mm. it's a lot Literally. of the winemakers they go with how they feel, and you know, rather than following a recipe. But that's the beauty of it. Um, yeah, you get more and interesting I think, stuff. I think I think those sort of mm. snobby, more traditional people, they're literally they're like, I don't understand it. I'm scared of it. So like, what I'll do is just like say it's shit. <laughs> Maybe because yes. I don't understand it, so I think it's kind of more that. That's, I have a bit of a tag, but I'm, I might be talking absolute nonsense because I don't know a lot about it. But I wonder if it's to do with like the democratization, democratization, democratization of what? <laughs> so like before, you know, some champagne companies, wine companies, could charge a fortune to people, mm. and it was like. They'll pay this because they know about wine, but yeah. anyway, and um, natural wine comes along, and they're trying to bring it to younger people, mm. new people, and they're like, "No, it's not for them. It's, it's for it's oh, just yeah, it's for, for people the, who it's know for the about people wine." Of the it's for the culture, you know, like, a little, yeah. a little bit like art. You know how art was a yeah. bit like. Well, they've, that they've as just well. well, it's it's about but, removing that status element of, yeah. of you know having a first growth Bordeaux or whatever. It's... Maybe, but to some extent, wine's already there because it's in every supermarket now. You get really Ooh, yeah. cheap wine. And Two whether for five, that's like. not good wine either, but it is everywhere. And like mm. just looking at Tesco, how much wine Tesco stocks now to what it was like what fifteen years but then ago. Someone who really knows wine would be like. Yeah, yeah, but the, they can the cheap that wines part. for them. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. I mean, Everyone who knows wine will pay a right. fortune Jesus. for wine right. for this yeah. family. And it, I just feel like, you know, um, it's a bit like the internet's come along and made information democratised and... 
<laughs> I feel like that's what natural wine's doing for the wine world. I think that's how mm. some some people in the beer world feel about you know, craft beers mm. as well. That you can't do, you know, all the things that craft beer makers play with, like all the whatever different flavors you get in craft beers that you would never see in commercialized mm. beer and traditional beer making. People complain about that as well. Like mm. you can't use juice in a beer. You can't use I don't know lactic sugars in a beer or something like that to give it a certain flavor. Yeah, no, there's so definitely I think that's similar. Snobbery. In, there's also snobbery, there's snobbery in, everything. in other in the other way around as well. So there'll be people like, oh, I only drink natural wine. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. the other way as well. I only I drink will, I mean, like, orange I'm wine. Snob. <laughs> like, I, I'm really into my craft beer and, yeah, I walk into most places and I'm like, I'm not drinking this shit. Yeah, that's the thing <laughs> yeah. as well, definitely. You know, um, yeah, I'm definitely a craft beer snob. So it's easier to be a craft beer snob, I think, I though, do. these days. It does make you laugh as well, though, when people come and they're like, oh, you show them some wine. Like, oh, yeah, but do you have any Georgian orange wine? <laughs> <laughs> it does make you laugh because like, oh yeah, there are good George and orange wines, but so everything else you're not interested in is just that one thing. But again, that's, that's, that's that one thing that they know though, isn't it? So it's what people are comfortable with. So they've come in and they've obviously tried a George and orange yeah, wine. You so think that's, like, that's what they're what comfortable with? I yeah. just think that's something they've picked up somewhere, something interesting. So they're just trying to oh, make yeah, no. themselves. And yeah. This is probably something you should take up. <laughs> I think it's probably more to do interesting. Yeah, I think it's got up. more to do with they've had something like that and so they understand mm. that. But what they don't realise is, um, and I found this a lot in wine, someone will say, oh, I love a, uh, I've had a Georgian orange wine, so that's what I like. Okay, and you're yeah. like, oh, there's a lot of variation in that. It's like, okay, I don't know specifically which like Georgian orange wine that you had, but I guarantee if I line them up, like some of them, you'd be like, Jesus Christ. Awful. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's you can't just like blanket term things like that so but that is how i think a lot of people who are new to wine and to beer mm. or whatever they'll just be like oh i had oh i, I recognize I that thing. so i must like that yeah. i mean i used to have this problem all the time back in my lakey days when um people would come in and they'd be like i want a shut enough to pap and you'd be like sweet that's 40 quid <laughs> we'll start <laughs> from the 40 quid mark and they'd be like well, I can get it for eight pounds in Lidl. It's like, well, you carry on. <laughs> and it's Lidl. like, it's going to be shit. But, and then having to explain to people that it's it's a region. It's not that like, so to them, a Chateauneuf de Pap is, is like saying Why? like Blossom Hill. Yeah. Um, that actually it doesn't work that way. So they think that they're being ripped off if, you're, if they're going to pay 40 quid for something, they can get the exact same thing, inverted commas, from Lidl for. And it's like, yeah, that's not how it works. It's very, it's a totally different product. Mm. you know so where does your wine knowledge come from Yana? I don't have a load of wine knowledge to be quite honest I am one of those people where if you catch me in front of the wine shelf I will blag it but I will tell you as well <laughs> like I'll tell you I know I know a few like, of the I am wines making shit up. I have I have had a lot of the wines and I can tell you which ones I like and I can tell you the stories around those yeah. but yeah I'm definitely one of those I don't have a load of wine knowledge I used to work at the Radisson Hotel here in town back in the day when they had a very nice Italian restaurant called Fellini. I don't know if anyone remembers that, but it used to be a really, really nice Italian restaurant and we had mm. very nice wines there. And um, we had like this wine tower in the middle, which was very nicely displayed, but we'd get wine training from the suppliers, essentially. They'd come in and do wine training with us. So that's where I picked up a bit of wine knowledge and where I started to appreciate wine. What were you doing there, front of house? Or? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at uni, I was doing service. <laughs> But you became a chef. I was a chef before, oh. so um, yeah, that's that's my first. That was my first step into hospitality. I was a chef first, and then um, I came to Birmingham to study after, 
So I wanted to study hospitality, just something related. Basically, as a chef, as most chefs know, you're standing up all day. It's not very healthy. You kind of feel the aches and pains very quickly in that kind of job. <laughs> so I thought I needed something to fall back onto. Mm. Um, I decided to go to uni. So I came here to study at the College of Cakes. College of Cakes? <laughs> yeah. Is that a thing? <laughs> so you, a thing. You, that sounds amazing. Are you plugging? <laughs> that sounds like a plug. I mean, I'm, I'm familiar yeah, with UCB, yeah. but it College is UCB. of Cakes. <laughs> no. well, well, it was called BCFTCS when I went there. <laughs> The Birmingham, Birmingham College of Food, Tourism and Creative Studies. There you go. <laughs> I always wondered, like, because I've over the years had a few people who have hospitality degrees. And I'm like, what is that? I didn't even know you could do a degree in hospitality. It's a business degree with hospitality. I always wondered went, how that works. Worked on the side at, um, at the Radisson, yeah. That's funny because we saw Radu earlier. He's, he's from Radisson. Did you guys recognize uh, each other? I don't know. So once you finished uni, what did you go and work in the kitchen or? I didn't actually. I um, I decided I had enough of hospitality for a while, um, <laughs> as lots of people do periodically. Mm. <laughs> I think it's one of those industries. And um, I did a, a graduate scheme for Deloitte in management consulting. <laughs> So was a consultant for a while, <laughs> which very is different, uh, much better paid, equally <laughs> terrible hours. <laughs> As you said, like it's uh, yeah, with the people in the hospitality industry, every now and then we try to escape. Yeah. <laughs> and like we, we like the hospitality industry is like yeah, you, you carry on, you go and yeah, flirt with I that. Think I like, do you're coming back. <laughs> I do it about every five years. I'd come back every time. And I think where are you it's... in your five years at the moment exactly? Well, I was escaping. <laughs> during the pandemic I'm doing my master's in psychology at the moment <laughs> I'm at the end of it but I've already been pulled back into hospitality it's just too easy it's one of the it's just one of those industries where when you love it you love it and you'll always end up back in it when you really hate it you hate it and you will never do it that's just it's a hard it's job it's like there's job. no getting around it it no. is a hard job it's hard all around and like, I think a lot of people don't realize that I think there's always that fight between front of house and back of house and one will tell you theirs is the hardest, the other will tell you theirs is the hardest job. Having worked both, it's it's just all hard. We're all hard. <laughs> We're definitely it's all hard. hard in different ways. <laughs> I mean, how you doing this is about 10 years I've been away from it and I've kind of half the reason we started the podcast it's just one of those industries where it's, the positives are really positive mm. it's just that I think the kind of teams you work with and the kind of closeness you have in a in a hospitality team like in a restaurant team. oh yeah you can't you beat that when you've that. got the right team it's just not yeah. a thing it's also because you spend so much time at work so yeah. you have to be a family but it's when it's good it's really good that's the mm. thing yeah when when you have like that perfect setup and uh, like for me at wine freedom like is it's such a lovely team and like coming to work feels like I mean, I don't come skipping in. I'm like, yeah, but I'm closer to that though. <laughs> you know, like I come in and I'm like, oh, because it's such a beautiful space as well. Yeah, it's nice um, people. Yeah, nice people. And also the customers are so lovely as well. And that makes That's such true. a big difference. That's true. We do have actually really, really nice customers there. Yeah. And so that, I was that at the same time. a huge, huge difference. When I started working at Wine Freedom, I started in service. And I was at the same time working at another place in town, which I'm not going to say where it was. And I'm just saying the customers at Wine Freedom were so much nicer <laughs> than the other place. Oh, I really want to know now. And with spoons. <laughs> <laughs> no, Do you think a, Jana has worked a, in a, a weather spoon? It's a very <laughs> pop, popular and much loved 
place <laughs> that I worked at. I'm definitely not going to slag off the customers. <laughs> but to be honest, though, I think that is the like um, the, <laughs> speaking out of here. But that is, I think, it's it's really the customers that make or break a hospitality job for people. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, I've, wor- I've worked in places where so you're much. like, it's just like an endless stream of dickheads coming through the yeah. door, and you're just like, fuck my life. <laughs> One of my last jobs in hospitality was the Elizabeth of York. Oh, very nice. Last time I went in there, I had to smell so badly of vomit. I was like, oh, it's horrendous. Crazy place. I've never, I've spoken about it before when I've done a podcast with my old boss that I worked with then. Um, (laughs) It was a weird place. Like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it was quite normal, just your average shit weather spins. But then like Tuesday afternoon, just become a really strange place. People just got weird. Like it's just strange things happened and you were like what why is why is that happening why on my ship it's been yeah, I, I, I worked in the briar rose many 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 years ago probably like oh, like 2001 something like that wow. and, um, that's many many years ago now <laughs> jesus scary isn't it, it is a bit scary i know but yeah actually weirdly i went out to the briar rose for like i met up with a friend and being from the wine industry and i've had all these amazing experiences and traveled the world and we were like let's go on a spoons crawl i always fight going to a spoon <laughs> i haven't been to a weather spoons in ages but i was like to be fair i mean you know it's it's good cheap shit you know sometimes it's shit like, you know, yeah yeah i wasn't drinking the wine obviously Cheap shit is, I think. It's hard yeah. to like much about it. The owners seem no. like a dickhead. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. that's a big thing. Mm. To, to be fair, staff are quite often really nice. Oh so. yeah, totally. Yeah, like she. Oh. Do, do you know what the training is really, really good actually? Oh. it's stuff I remembered. Like, <laughs> I don't long remember after being trained. Yeah, really good training. <laughs> I don't remember. Being... You felt like there was mm, a, a greasy ladder ago. if you wanted to climb it, oh. but they always rep- they, all their promotions were from within. So. Yeah. Yeah, it had bits that were good and then weird stuff that was just crap. Like <laughs> like they had that CQSMA, which was like their weird thing. And you got your bonus and it's like, well, if you can afford to give us a bonus, why don't you just pay us, man? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the thing, why don't you just pay everybody in the first place? Yeah. What yeah, I hated about working at the Briar Rose, because like, when I applied for a job there, so I used to go to like Snobs and Ramshackle and all those mm. sort of clubs when I was, I guess I was probably about 18. At, yeah, I was 18 at the time. And... Um, it was the place where all my friends would go out for a drink before going to those places. So I was like, mm. sweet, I can get a job there. And so when I'm at work, I can kind of see my friends. And then like when I finish work, I'll meet them in snobs. That'll be great. What I didn't realize is the way that Spoons worked. I don't know if they still do it now, but if you worked in that place, you couldn't then go there socially. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that really fucked everything up. Mm. So, so then suddenly, <laughs> if I wasn't at Bad work choice. and then I was going to Snobs on a Wednesday night, all of my mates would be in there having a drink and I wasn't allowed in. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, okay, well, this is really backfired. This is for an episode like, on poor sense. life choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I was just like, oh. It's a very bollocks. strange policy because most it's places really I work, the staff off duty but the biggest spenders exactly <laughs> that's it i mean I, I think obviously the reason they do it is so that other staff aren't giving staff free drinks but what they didn't realize when we were working we just gave everyone free drinks so <laughs> yeah, it was actually, just do it anyway yeah yeah <laughs> i think currently was... about three quarters of the money i make at wine freedom goes back into yeah, wine freedom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> i need to give you a better discount <laughs> was it tips as well you used, they used to search you make you empty your pockets before and after the shifts to, to make sure you didn't take tips it's a bit militant isn't it but did they actually pay you tips no. Oh, so that, yeah. So if anyone tried to give you a tip, right. sometimes they would try. A customer would try. You'd be like, "Please 
Mate, go straight in the till. I'm not allowed to keep it. This goes no back to actually when Zoe was talking about stuffing tips in a bra. At, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, that's what We've made me think all of been that, there. At the, at the Radisson, we used to have this thing where they had a service charge on, as hotels do. But um, obviously, people were allowed to ask for the service charge off, and then any cash tips went straight to us. So I used to do this thing where if I knew a table like was going to tip me really well because I had good report with them, yeah. I'd just take the service charge off, go over to the table and then say like, oh, by the way, there isn't a service charge on there. <laughs> but you're like making Gambling. proper eye contact. You're like, there's Ga- no yeah. service charge. <laughs> Don't know if you've noticed, but there's no service charge. It's sort of really gambling for the cash tip. It used to work out really it's well. It's sad, isn't it, though, when you're, like, you, you're in jobs like that where you like, I mean, because we're not in America. We shouldn't yeah. have to be like, please tip me. Because it, I mean, it's not really tipping culture here anyway, is it? But not, it's more for restaurants, less so bars. Yeah. Fine. Mm. Restaurants have 10%. It's just a standard. Yeah. I think it's improved a lot, to be honest. Mm. People are a lot more readily tipping these days than they used to. Although it's a real, you can really tell a difference when there's people, Europeans here. <laughs> there's more of a tipping <laughs> culture. They always tip better. Yeah. Americans, do you get many Americans? They, do they tip well? No, if I Irish. Irish tip well. Yeah, Ireland's a big thing to tip, but yeah. it's it's kind of like same in America. It's um, working in hospitality is a real profession. I'm not mm. saying here, I I don't. No, see it, it is in Germany America, as well. Like, it's a real profession, and you do an apprenticeship for most things for front yeah. of house as well. Everybody's done an apprenticeship. It's not unusual really? to see like yeah, 40, forty, fifty year old barmen in Ireland. It's mm-hmm. it's quite common. It's it. it's a good job to have. It's a good job. Know? Where it's it's only in England where people look down on them for some fucking crazy reason yeah here but well, essentially it's a student job isn't it and when you're a bit mm. even as a student people constantly ask well and what are you going to do like mm. you know what's your plan what are you going to do after this and you're like well this is my it profession is, yeah, thank you it's, it is a bit shit isn't it um i mean it's not so bad for me because obviously i'm in like upper management side but i mean i look younger than i am and i'm quite alternative looking <laughs> so people obviously just look at me and think like oh she's a glass collector who's done nothing with her life and I'm like oh yeah sweet because yeah it is it is kind of looked down upon as a job what I personally believe is that everyone should have to work at least two weeks in hospitality job before they're allowed to go into a restaurant or a bar because you know what I think their opinions would change drastically we work fucking hard man (laughs) I've said this before instead of national service we should do like A year in hospitality. <laughs> Everyone should do a year in hospitality. I think they should. I think there are certain industries, but that then the wages will never go up. <laughs> and then, like I reckon, like there would be fewer dickheads in the world. I think so too. Because yeah, like, you yeah, see, totally. like the best and the worst, and then everything in between. At hospitality, you've had. I've yeah. been a, in a local bar, Irish bar, where I used to uh, run, and. Not run physically, obviously, because I don't run. I keep wanting to go into an Irish accent, but I know I'll only embarrass myself. Yeah, don't do <laughs> it. That's where we come back but, to uh, the racism. <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, I've had like blokes come in on like a Tuesday. They've just lost their job and they're like, they've got mortgage and kids and they're, they're like pretty much crying. Well, you're like, you, you, you're you a like, counsellor half the yeah. time. I mean, yes, I've, I mean, I used to work mm. at, my, actually my first ever bar job was at the old railway. And if you guys remember that, um, it's not there anymore. It's, by where Millennium Point now is. Um, it was like a proper like old sort of Irishy bar, but Black Sabbath had their first gig there and it was like a proper, you know, you'd be there till six in the morning and the police used to sort of go for a drink there. So they kind of ignored the fact that it was open Perfect. and that sort of a place. Yeah, it was like, a, it was an awesome bar. But um, I can't remember my point now. What was I saying? 
Yeah, this bar sounds good though. Yeah, <laughs> it was just saying about how um, oh, yeah, you so, are a council. Yeah, 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 that was it. But yeah, that was very much you got your regulars and like, you know, um, it would be, you know, oh, my wife's just left me and they would be in there like, like 10 in the morning every day having a drink, having a breakdown, like an extended breakdown. And so like your job was very much counselling like the guys on the bar. You don't really get mm. that much. Any- well, definitely not in wine freedom no. anyway. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> probably in spoons actually. But you know, your regulars who were like, you know, they they really rely on actually having that contact with the bar staff and sitting at the bar yeah. and like actually having, you, you get know, that build, building places. that relationship with people. I worked at the Plough and Harbour on for a little bit mm. and you definitely have that there. You get mm. a lot of regulars and a lot of older people as well and, and older couples that come in almost every day. And they know all the staff, they know everybody's names, everybody knows them. It's a real community, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's a proper sort of little community pub. It's it it like, really. Yeah, it seems like <laughs> community pubs are something that's sort of, there's not many left anymore. There no. used to be one, like, every everyone's pub was a community pub and you'd go in and you well, like you know man everyone. Cl- working men's clubs and all that sort yeah. of place. Yeah, and they like just seem like they're on the decline now. Community, community hive, really. Yeah. I mean, I guess in Digbeth, it's, you don't really have a community as such in Digbeth, so you don't get that kind of clientele. Mm. You don't have a community pub. There are some little pubs around, obviously, like the Anchor or yeah, the Old yeah. Crown. Well, that's but just full there, of load of hospitality. That. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, yes. that, that's your community. Go in there on a Sunday night. There's about five million flats getting built in Digbeth at the minute so yeah and there are a load of flats in Digbeth already I just don't really know where they go because <laughs> they're not necessarily going after no, Digbeth no I've thought this you, you're walking around you're like if it's quiet you're like I know for a fact I've fixed the internet for half of these people there's thousands of people <laughs> yeah, in these flats yeah. where, are where are they what are they doing but that's the magic thing about hospitality though like share the bad times and then on the flip side someone's coming in for their birthday their engagement mm. yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's really nice to be part of that you really get to understand mm. people and yeah it's, Actually, it reminds it's me one of, of my favorite parts of working in hospitality. there was a couple that i had at loki who um i was there when they met for the first time so i sort of kind of knew them separately but they, they were all, we all had a lock in and drank and then they uh, met for the first time and then I ended up going to their wedding and then they had their first child and it's like and you I was like I was there for that entire thing like it was it all happened there and it was all yeah. around drinking and like and people coming together and it was just like yeah kind of I was like I'm part of that I <laughs> I fed the alcohol to make this happen did you take credit for yeah, oh, yeah totally <laughs> did you give a speech at the wedding I didn't an unwanted one just stood up anyway it would have definitely been unwanted <laughs> But, um, but I, I, made it I was like, yeah, I was like, I was integral to this. Like, I hope you know. It's like I'm not getting you a present. You need to get me a yeah. present. Why am I on the top fucking table? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like, do you even realize? Like, I actually fully enabled this. I don't want to get things like. I feel like I'm bringing things very serious, but I feel like this is very important and needs to be talked about. Obviously, one of the reasons we're here. International, international Women's Day. Women's Day. That's this is getting released on that day. Specifically, we talked about people get looking down upon hospitality. Yeah. There's a lot of problems with not enough women in hospitality. I don't, I don't know how you feel about it, but the what, the question was uh, why there's a lack of women in hospitality. Mm. I don't think there is. Oh, there is. There's a massive I don't lack think of there women is. in hospitality. I, yeah, okay, we're gonna argue. Cool. I just haven't. I know. <laughs> no, I know so many uh, places that are run by women. 
and have like mainly female staff. So how, I'm from, how many out I'm of from all wine... the places that you know? How many well, so that I'm, are run by women? I'm only really speaking from staff. a wine background. So from my okay. my wine background, um, I mean, if you look at Vagabond, it's got a female GM, female assistant manager. Actually, I think pretty much all the staff, bar one guy, is a female. Mm. Um, and then Loki, I think they've got like twenty two girls working there and like seven guys. Mm. So, I mean, that's probably mainly down to me, but <laughs> I mean, me, me <laughs> yeah. also at Wine Freedom, apart from the owners being male. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly so, female. so just from my, I mean, that's, that's the past, past 10 years for me. Um, yeah. And then you've got like Abigail uh, at Arch 13, Grace and James, obviously they're a couple, but mostly female team. So just, that's what I immediately know is, is, you know, the wine part of it. And then you've got Holly. Like, I, yeah. So for me, <laughs> Jana's looking at me like <laughs> this is why I think it's a tough question because like national national statisticians will tell you that it that it's a fact that there's not enough but then you can't speak for the whole country you can only speak on your own experience so that's why but it's a I hard just question. I just yeah, know what there is even if you look locally. at those places yes some of them are owned by couples that's right but even if you look locally you will see that most mm. restaurants at least will be owned by men and head chefs, will, head be chefs will be men and most yeah. of the kitchen teams will be men it's improving slowly mm. but it's still very much the standard mm. across the country you think of the five Michelin stars I don't think there's a female head chef in any of them no. see I really don't know the chef side that's 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 no, the honor I haven't I haven't got a clue about chefs I mean it's always traditionally been that you have more men on the back of house side mm. and that you'll have more women in the front of house mm. side why and do you think that is it's not a very welcoming environment in a kitchen. See, I, I actually quite as like... A, yeah, as a woman, yeah, I like working in a kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> as a chef, yes, I like working in a kitchen. But it's not a very welcoming environment to walk into as a woman. Mm. See, the restaurant where I learned, where I did my apprenticeship, I was the first woman to ever work back of house. And I was told before... So I did an, um, a placement there before, so I had already been in the kitchen um, and 100% I was given the placement because my parents used to go and eat there and they knew <laughs> them and it was kind of I'm sure the head chef was pressured into giving me the placement by his sister who was running front of house again <laughs> traditional gender um, divide in hospitality but so I was already in the kitchen and when I suggested to the sous chef that maybe I'd want to do an apprenticeship there he said you'll never get it and I was like why? And he said, well, because our head chef has never going to have a woman in the kitchen. He doesn't believe in women in the kitchen. So it's weird, isn't it? And by far not the only person who's had that kind of experience. I mean, obviously, I did ask and I did get the apprenticeship. But based on that, the whole time that I worked there, I always felt like I had more to prove than everybody Mm. else. And it's that kind of thing where... I've recently had this chat with um, Chloe from Verbena in, in, in Sturchley. So she's had similar experiences to me. And um, we talked about it. So there's this famous article of Marco Pierre White going on about women in the kitchen and women don't have a place in the kitchen. This is fairly recent. Well, I thought that's <laughs> where women belonged in the kitchen. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm wait, so uh, confused. <laughs> I know, so confused. Well, well, <laughs> <laughs> um, where he basically said, yeah, we're too weak to lift pans. <laughs> that's one of the things. We're too emotional to cook. <laughs> is this wow. where you then like pick up a pan and smack him no, on the head that's it? We, we were having <laughs> like, a chat about it. And I asked her, I said, did you do the same thing? Because I most definitely made a, a full-on effort to lift the heaviest things in the kitchen <laughs> always by myself and never asked <laughs> exactly I mean it's I've definitely benefited from it 
No, but it's the thing. Marco Pierre, what you're talking about? The Marco Pierre. Pierre, what he sold his soul for a bunch of shit fucking steak. Did he yeah, have well. a soul? But I mean, yeah. it's still it was in the ever there in the first place. <laughs> I think he, like you read White Heat and stuff and from years ago. I think he definitely had the passion for the industry and stuff. But it's um, gone. He's clearly just a bigot. I think you know what. Yeah, but that experience, that not that that opinion, kind of still prevails of course, on some level yeah. in the industry that women are too emotional for back of house at least mm. um but yeah which is I mean, not yeah. i'm not emotionally dead so i'd probably be really good <laughs> in a kitchen, to be honest. and like I, i've kind of grown up in male dominated industries anyway so because i i came through the music industry where so in hospitality i found it i guess a lot easier because i've compared it to the music industry when if you're working as a woman especially as a sound engineer or anything technical, like, mm. fuck, that's hard. Yeah, but exactly. That's, that's really similar. hard. So for me, the hospitality has been a bit of a breeze because <laughs> you're just like, oh, people are a bit more accepting. But, yeah, but um, then compare that to back up, back off house, you will find yeah. exactly that kind of environment. Yeah, I better say, like, the Michelin-style chefs I mentioned, and so I'm pretty sure all of the owners would be pretty open to, like, they'd be 100% yeah. open to having the female head chef or female managers, but... It's just, just not, it's just not there. But it's that route, the route there's, into there isn't really there, I guess. Even like on the there's podcast. too few coming up, but it is exactly, it's that yeah. that type of thing that you will always have. It's not just this industry, it's not just this environment, it's not just women coming into a male environment, it also works the other way around. There are some industries which are absolutely female dominated and coming in as a man is just as difficult. Ballet. And it's, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm going to give my ballet career a good try. Well, no, I mean, I, I had a few but friends you, in ballet. It, it doesn't time. matter which way it is. As long as there's sort of one gender dominating it, when you come in as the sort of marginalized gender, it will always be a little bit harder. Whether they mean to make it that way or not, that's a different thing. It's then onto the sort of dominant gender within that industry to accommodate basically and to just mm. make it easier and to like show you know you're there to support and it's it's fine for people to come in you know you don't have to come in as a woman into a kitchen and prove yourself you can literally just come in and just be a good chef and mm. just do what everybody else is doing but there's a there's a way of making it comfortable for people i suppose which is only just starting in kitchens now it's definitely starting there are definitely more women going into that route do you think it's got more to do with to um i actually had a similar conversation with some chefs that i know from a kitchen in a restaurant in birmingham and the reason that they gave for why they don't like having women in the kitchen is because they don't feel comfortable to to come up with their usual like disgusting banter which well, like, but that's the thing yeah. isn't it the disgusting <laughs> banter like, shouldn't be there in the first like, place we can't talk about like all these like horrific things because it'll offend the woman in the kitchen and it's like and yeah, I, I we're mean, so easily offended but this is the thing because i'm very much the sort of person that i would like out banter all of them they'd be like geez vic that was disgusting but that's um, but that's but I think, a point I think as well isn't they, they it don't the disgusting banter out. shouldn't necessarily be there in the first place that's also a thing for some other men not all men are into like oh yeah who were like really yeah, just like oh this, this is horrendous but i think that's and, the thing and, generally and in, in the hospitality it industry instead, and yeah. especially in kitchen ways like it's supposed to be that like rough and tough environment and you're supposed to be rough and tough that's expected so what if you're not you can still be a fantastic chef what if you don't like have a thick skin? What if you do get offended? What if yeah. you know you've got mental health issues or things like that? You still need to be able to fit in, and it shouldn't be a thing in hospitality in general. Is generally that expectation in hospitality just that you're just really thick-skinned so and you just suck it up and you never have any problem, personal then. issues. I think in in hospitality in general, it's that kind of expectation that you don't come in with personal issues. You don't come in. Um, 
you know, yeah, maybe not being able to just take everything that's being thrown at you it's and everything just gets though, glossed over. Especially in hospitality. Because I mean, I was talking to Freya at Wine Freedom about this the other day, you know, um, and why it is so hard doing this job because we invariably work really long shifts and we're knackered, especially if, you know, you're working like AFDs like a few days in a row and like people expect you to be like, hey, welcome. <laughs> and like really happy. No matter what happens. And it's like, and this is also why I say people should work two weeks in hospitality so they understand that like actually we like have to really push through some heavy shit sometimes. And and then, you know, all it takes is like a bad trip advisor review. They're like, oh, the, the girl who served me, you know, was a bit of a miserable bitch. And it's like, well, maybe she just got dumped by her boyfriend and like, or, you know, or maybe her, she just got a phone call saying her dad had died or like, do you know what I mean? You don't know mm. what's going on. Yeah. But in, and, and there are so, so many things, obviously, that can make you not quite in the right frame of mind. But in hospitality, it's expected that you just like put on a smile and you're lovely to people who can quite often be complete cunts to you. <laughs> and you've just yeah. got to stand there and be all like, okay, that's fine. Yes, sir. The customer's always right. And I think um, it's fine. I mean, customers can't, customers can't see what's going on with you. And it's not no. a customer's responsibility to ask you whether you're having a good day. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, but it's that's nice. not a it's, thing. It's so nice when they but do. <laughs> the rest of your team and, you know, your managers and your employers, they should take an interest and there should be a thing where it should be perfectly fine to come in and say hey I'm having a terrible day yeah this has happened and there should be some kind of you know somebody should listen to that and I think it's been a thing for too long in hospitality where everything just gets glossed over it's like you say I'm having a terrible day and somebody else will say I don't care we have got service yeah, to do yeah. we've got things to do you need to function of, I'm sure that's the same for a lot of industries I guess that just depends on having bad bosses and managements really I'm not sure. i feel like it's changed mm, no. like a lot especially like offices i mean yeah. we, we spoke we met someone once i'm sure that was a um i'm sure it was just a fancy name for a hr role but it was like um head of people director of happiness or something oh they organize the days out and stuff so like head of happiness i mean even kitchens the saddest person in the world i mean kitchens you know boiling point it's well documented like how bad kitchens were in the like 90s and mm, before yeah. that and up until probably a few years ago and then yeah. from speaking to head chefs we they, they tell us that things are slowly changing but they not as are. fast i mean like even gordon ramsay made um, claire smith his head chef and he purposely made claire smith his head chef because her management style was completely different to his mm. it was a very relaxed quiet kitchen yeah and then obviously she's now gone on to open her own restaurant and is one of the best restaurants in the UK, but maybe the world. Um, what can what do you think employers can do, in your opinion, to kind of change things? Not just in the kitchen, but like front of house. Give us whole of better hours, because uh, the <laughs> hardest thing about working in hospitality is is just this expectation of the like AFD, which mm. if no one knows what that means, yeah. it means all fucking day. Yeah. Um, and that's just like a standard. Um, I think so. the thing with hospitality is it's not just not an industry that's not um, accommodating for women. It's, it's not accommodating it, for human beings. It's not accommodating <laughs> for human beings. It's like, it's like <laughs> you, it's, and it, it's kind of, it's weird because we're kind of sort of slagging off a little bit, but then we're the people that no, keep trying everybody. to escape and then keep pulling back. Well, yeah, but everybody but, in hospitality will have the same view. There, there won't be anyone working in hospitality oh, yeah, who thinks totally. it's the best industry in the world. It, it's one of the most fun environments. It's one of the ones yeah. where people... But people are to some extent expected to just run on passion for the industry. And that yeah. can't be a thing. It's one of the worst paid industries with the worst hours. 
and sort of the it highest It destroys relationships. Level. I mean, I'm I'm lucky because uh, my boyfriend, he's um, a general manager as well. So we're like a bit of a general manager power couple. So we, we kind of help each other out. We've got, <laughs> when we're working from home, we've got a, like, we're both gamers. So we've got these like huge like curved monitors and we sit there like just getting sucked into spreadsheets. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I'm quite lucky. So we work similar hours we're used to this lifestyle but the uh, my ex-boyfriend was a nine-to-fiver and it just doesn't fucking work he'd be like you're working every weekend i'm like yeah (laughs) that's my job and i'm like you're working nine to five in the week when i'm off that's a bit annoying (laughs) as well and you know it's it's really hard um i mean you know we know several people who their other halves don't work in hospitality and trying to balance that out when like and even just socially as well, you miss out mm. on so many social occasions because they happen on Fridays and sat- Saturdays, which is which they're your busiest days of the week. So it's like it's not just a job; it's a proper lifestyle commitment. So when I was working in the kitchen, I didn't see my friends. That's not yeah. a thing. If you have friends who aren't working in the same place, you can forget about it. Mm. You will never see them. But this is kind of why we have like this sort of weird social subculture of hospitality, like yeah. the anchor on a Sunday night, where industry you know, nights because that's industry nights because that's that's the social kind of groups that we can actually we can work in that framework because we're we're in this different world together and it's really hard to marry that up with like normal life Mm. you know and even little things like i've got a a flat in you know in a big house and i'm the like my other half and i we're the only people in that house that work in hospitality so it really sucks when like all your neighbors are getting up at six in the morning (laughs) running up and down the stairs and slamming doors and you're like fuck i'm tired you know i got in at like 2 a.m and yeah it's yeah it's really difficult to try and slot that in i think a lot of people don't think about that side of it it's tiring i know it's quite simple to say oh just don't give us afds but like (laughs) so you're saying like just maybe working so you only get like well, it's not healthy to well, work 12 hours. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Though, yeah, just get more stuff. Pay us better. Yeah. I that, mean, I suppose yeah. a lot of people, individuals, because I listened to um, a podcast with uh, a chef and he was saying he was quite upset because they do four days on and then three mm. days off, which sounds amazing. But he said, for that means for four days, I'm working like 12 to 15 hour shift. Mm. Yeah. He said, I'd rather just work five or six days and do like. Yeah, 100%. But I mean, yeah. at least you do get the time off. Then, like I used, to, like, like I said, I used to do sixty hours well, I think it did, a, a that, week, and I had one, because one when, when the thing is, you, you <laughs> work those four that's four days, much. and then when you get to your first day off, like that's yeah, a write off yeah, because, yeah. like, you feel like you've been hit by a bus. But, you spend all day in in the bath, or either asleep, and then in the bath, just trying to ache because, like, like so soothe your aching limbs because if you think you're on your feet all that time from the outside, and I am like, not getting any younger. But that's the thing; it's from the outside. The thing is, I admittedly in Cambodia not not in the UK but I've run my own businesses I've run my own bar and I've run my own bakery and you always start out thinking well I'm going to be different mm-hmm. right I'm going to be the different boss I'm going to pay everybody fairly everybody's going to get all their holidays everybody you know but nobody will get burnt out nobody will be overworked and you start off thinking that way and it's fantastic and then you get money hungry and <laughs> no, you don't get money hungry you just realize there's not enough money coming in yeah. to actually afford that <laughs> that's the problem yeah. and then you know reality comes back real quick I think okay yeah I would like to do all those things but I'm not really able to do it but that doesn't keep you back from still having the right kind of environment for people to work in 
That's mm. it's one thing people having to work really long hours. It's like be nice to have a not, break for like, not a yeah. lot of money. Mm. But yes, things you can do a lot of really simple things as a manager or as a business owner in hospitality that you know, is giving people breaks. <laughs> it's one of those things. Again, it's one of sure those that given that in hospitality that like giving if, you, people, if you have a break, it's a sign of weakness. And to be fair, I'm it. And it shouldn't that. be because everybody, you know, everybody needs breaks. We're all human. Everybody needs breaks. Mm. So that Feed kind of people thing. on their break as well. Like. Feed people. I, that's it. <laughs> yeah, but this is the thing when you work in hospitality, it's like if you. If you do have food, like you take a bite of it and then you run and serve some yeah, that shouldn't be and like a thing. that. That's that's how it goes. That shouldn't be a thing, and it doesn't have to be a thing. It's all of those things. Like me, haven't had a business. Yes, you might not have money to pay as much as you want to. You might not be able to like give all the days off that you want to. But those little things you can easily do. You can listen to your staff mm-hmm. if somebody comes in and they look like they're having a shit day. Ask them if they're having a shit day. Have a conversation. If it's really bad, see if they can go home. <laughs> you know, that's actually, Give them a you glass can of actually wine. do that. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe don't, that's always, don't that's encourage alcoholism. If someone's having a bad day, like they're just, again, to use the example of just broken up with their boyfriend and they're working like, sit down, have a glass of wine for five minutes. You know, you don't give them a glass of wine if that's better. not the thing fixing it. Though. <laughs> <laughs> or a brownie. Yeah, but it's it's those kind of things you can do. You can listen to the people who work for you. Just you know, be you can human, see what, what they need. Just be human. And yeah. it's still it's still a thing where just because we've come out of this, as in, you know, we've grown up in this industry and it used to be that way, doesn't mean it has to be that way now. You can make a difference. And there's lots of business owners and lots of um, lots of managers out there now who do that already. But I can still go further and it's, it's something that needs to be pushed a bit Small, more. Even little done. things like, you know, pe- like, either subsidizing or paying for taxis home because especially with a lot of yeah, younger people, safe. people <laughs> well yeah um you know just little things like that go a long way because again when i used to work at a weatherspoons um i mean it was like back in the day i think they've changed it now you would be rated until 12 like sort of midnight when the pub actually closed and that's when you stopped getting paid but you'd be expected to do the clean down and so i wouldn't get out to like 2 3 a.m and I'd have worked for free for that entire time. And then I'd also have to pay for a taxi home. Or I mean, I used to just walk home to Erdington uh, because I couldn't, I was getting paid so badly that I couldn't justify paying for like a 15 pound yeah. taxi. I think that's I would ex- walk home like four miles or something. I think that, that's really important in an industry that relies so much on really young people as well. And quite a lot of the time you do have young women work in mm. front of house. And it's exactly that. They work for you until 2 a.m. Where do they go then? How do they get home? Like take an interest, make sure that they get home safe. That yeah. is a thing. Definitely. Things like that really make a big difference. Would you think for Spook Group, they used to give us um, taxi for a pound. So mm. anywhere you went, it was just one. You just gave the taxi driver a pound, and the company. I'd paid be like, I'm it. going to Nottingham. Sometimes we did really do a shift. <laughs> if we knew we were going away on a stag do or something, we'd do it like a day shift, and then get the taxi to the airport. Very <laughs> cheap. <laughs> what do you think kitchens could do to try and encourage more women to get in, or? maybe just don't stereotype and don't let them in the kitchen what can they do to try and turn that around (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm not sure i think part of that is that that culture that kitchen culture like you were saying Mm. that the banter and this and that just sort of making it it's a hard thing to turn around good we don't want any more banter in this kitchen or the type of banter that's a hard thing to sort of push out it is yeah but there's there's I don't know how to frame this. I mean, obviously, I've also worked in the kitchen. Yeah, you want some of the banter because when you work yeah. in the kitchen, it is a lot of pressure. And some of, 
you know, one way of dealing with that pressure is the banter. Mm. And it's definitely just being able to swear at people and things like that. <laughs> it's, and burn them it's, mildly. Right, burn them mildly, those kind of things. Frame them a little bit. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard a lot of that come from kitchens. No, I mean, it's one of the reasons why, <laughs> why kitchens are a bit of a rough environment is because you have all that pressure and part of dealing with it is like, being able to swear and being able to explode every now and then when you need yeah. to. It's in front of her. She can't do that. Um, I mean, we can. Yeah. It just it ends up on TripAdvisor. It does not make you look good. No. I think the problem with um, kitchens as well and becoming a chef, it is a proper career choice. Whereas front of house is more things that people still do on a casual basis. So you get a lot of women there because they don't necessarily stay in it for a very long time. In a kitchen, that's your career essentially if that's what you've learned mm -hmm. that's what you want to do that's a proper career choice and you're on wages there as well it is still that kind of environment where it's very difficult for a woman to take maternity leave mm. those type of things that's difficult in hospitality in general but even, oh yeah god i couldn't so even in a imagine like, that if i had break. a kid mm. what the hell would i do like because you can't like in, in other jobs say in an office job you can work until you go into your maternity leave you can't do that as a chef you can't stand in the kitchen heavily yeah. pregnant that's impossible mm. to do so that's all that's a different point it's different to that being that environment but that's in my opinion something that also holds women back from choosing that as a career as a long-term career like I had the same, a, a similar thing where I thought, yes, I love this career, but I need a backup. Because mm. you know that at some point you can't do it. And maybe you can't do it in the long term. Front yeah. of house, you have a similar issue, but there it's more that you have zero hour contracts, which are so popular in hospitality. <laughs> yeah. They're great when you're working casually and, you know, you also want to be able to say, hey, I can't work those days, whatever, it goes both ways. But if you want to do that as a career... That's not an option. You can't work on a zero-hour contract. And a lot of companies, they exploit zero hours yeah. to suit themselves. That if it's zero hours, it's usually more beneficial to the people telling you, here's a zero-hour contract than the person signing it the zero-hour contract. I've had to explain to the Radisson before that it also works my way. If I tell you a day that I can't <laughs> yeah. work, I can't work that a day. You can't make me work it. That's yeah. the beauty of a zero-hour contract. <laughs> but, I yeah. think it's definitely useful for like smaller businesses where... Um, you, you just you. you oh, yeah, it's very useful for all businesses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely smaller businesses where it's like we would love to give you all these hours, but like we we have to protect the business at the end of the day. It's it's a lot harder. And mm -hmm. having come from a background of running small businesses, it's yeah, getting that balance with staffing is so so difficult. You know, and the whole AFD thing and breaks and contracts and all that sort of stuff because things can change rapidly day to day. And you have to try and protect the business. But yeah, it's finding that fine line of protecting the business and also looking after your staff. And that's yeah. where sort of the management comes in, really. It's, it's not easy. No. So, yeah, in general, I think it's, it's a mix of creating the right kind of environment. Well, also just putting it out there, you know, just mm. like when you go recruit people, <laughs> just mm. if, if you want women in your kitchen, go recruit women. Like, <laughs> look for women, <laughs> find them. Don't just like put an advert out and then be like, oh, but no, no women applied. Like, go try and find them. So that's a pretty good segue as well. Um, <laughs> on the flip side, looking at the positive, if you could talk to, say, if you could go into UCB now or even further down the line, go into like a career as a, a sixth form or a school mm. and try and convince somebody young to go into the industry. What? How would you convince them? 
Ah, see, I find this really difficult because I know it's a tough industry, so I don't yeah, know so if I would go and convince them. Just lie, lie. Awesome. <laughs> don't ever listen to that podcast I did. Like, it's not a good idea. I like, think, no, I think what I, so, what I think the way forward is for women in the industry is to actually get female-run businesses and to encourage women within the industry to start their own businesses, start their own restaurants, because that works really well for men within the industry and it you do get some female-run businesses that work well and I think that's to some extent that's the way forward so I think my advice would be more around that you know if you have a great idea for something you're creative chef you love cooking you love Mm. hospitality try and find your thing and help like basically get how to get help with business plans those kind of things how to get into your own business and then you think create, that's, you create that's something. that healthy culture and then you create that healthy culture exactly basically create the business that you want to see so i think that would be something where i could see myself coming in and advising people <laughs> yeah. why don't you sit your own kitchen i was just about to say the same well I've, I've run my own business for um for six years i've had in cambodia not yeah. here and it's really hard hey <laughs> i mean <laughs> it is really hard and i've thought about doing something so here you again. Could do it here. Practice what you preach, yeah. man. Come on, I don't really want to. I'm, <laughs> you I'm are a, not selling this I'm adopting. All. I'm two weeks away from my adoption panel. I'm going to have a child. <laughs> I don't really wish to, <laughs> to start a business. They can work in the kitchen. It's fine. Yeah. It's frowned upon. <laughs> <laughs> but there must be something good about the industry that you, you're both Lots. still in it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's there's lots of great things. There's lots of bad things. I think if you're... You can travel the world. Yeah. It's like with any career though, isn't it? There's good and bad to it. And like, I mean, this it is just sort of what It attracts workaholics for sure. That's, that's what alcoholics. I am. Alcoholics? Yeah, that as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah workaholics, workaholics, alcoholics. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like, if we kind of do it to ourselves really, like, again, me and my other half, yeah. we are workaholics. Like, we Should, don't stop. All, see, yeah. I say all these things about hospitality. I completely thrive on pressure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just having some, some kind it's of job to pour myself up, into. I'm, I'm exactly the same. It's like, you know, when the shit hits the fan and like everything's going up, you're like, yes, this is my time to shine. <laughs> Everything's oh. burning. And I'm just like, fuck. Like, I'm, is it, I'm I know, like, that's, that's why I love events so much because masochist. you know before you have an event, it's the worst thing. Like the build up for it, it's the worst thing and the day is going to be the worst day. But when you come out of it, it's just amazing. You come out so you yeah. feel so There's good. There's a lot of firefighting involved. Um, and actually, I, I used to volunteer for the fire service. Maybe that's why I'm good at my job. I'm good at putting out fires. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is actually quite a useful skill to have in a hospitality environment also. Um, <laughs> I think coming back to the whole like what's going wrong in the hospitality industry that deters women I think one of the big things that we haven't touched on at all is harassment in the industry and mm. that is a big thing that it's is getting serious all, well, yeah that is serious it needs to be talked yeah. about because it is a big thing and it's a big thing on all levels there's harassment between colleagues there's a har- harassment from management to mm. subordinates and there's, there's not just from the men customers, towards women really. towards customers from customers I've had it from I've customers, had it way more definitely. from customers yeah but then you've got that yeah who, me, me personally I've had yeah. it from customers but then I've seen every other but then they pay you way. for it <laughs> Yeah, they're not paying for that. They're not paying me enough to touch my house. I remember I I charge a lot more for that. It's not great. It's not great, particularly (laughs) because you have so many young women in service. Mm. Like literally, Mm. what nineteen-year-olds? They can't deal with it. They don't know how to. They don't know to take that. That's it, and and they don't know at that age how to react to it. How to? I mean, some do, but a lot don't. How to 
put people in their place and they shouldn't mm. have to know how to do it either because it shouldn't be a thing in the first place and then again that's one of those things where it should feel comfortable to go to management and say I'm not going back to that table mm. because they're being terrible to me and for those customers then to be removed because that's not an acceptable But the, way the trouble is and I mean just from my many years of working in these sort of jobs is actually often management is the problem because I've worked in many <laughs> well, that's places a different thing, yeah. I've worked in many <laughs> places where they've hired female staff good looking female staff knowing yeah. full well that they'll get those tips and that the and the customers will like them I mean I've had many years ago um my manager turned around to me after I, I said you know this this old creepy guy keeps touching my ass and they were like yeah and he's spending a lot of money so can you just and I was like, uh, fucking seriously, like you're supposed to be here to so protect you me. Yeah. And you've just told me to like, just shut up and take it. Cause this, this, this guy is spending a lot of money. Hmm. Like, there we go. The Another fuck? great what reason why hospitality <laughs> industry is not fantastic for women. Just, yeah. just out of interest. Would... You're like, where was that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Obviously it might be different for, well, it shouldn't be different for independence or chains, but like in an employee an employee training or handbook is there like a section on how to deal with like harassment or something there's hardly ever anything that comes up that way i think so that's it, definitely i think in some do. businesses it gets dealt with when something really serious happens mm. and that's usually when something internal happens then all of went, a sudden you too late you, you went to college do they not bring it up at college no. but oh, it never comes no. up how to handle it's harassment it's not really a college no. thing it's i a, mean it's i don't know if it does now it was a long time ago that i went yeah it's difficult to the managers to deal with that like yeah. surely you should no 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 i'm talking about how you'd have to deal with it if you ever come if across it rather than the manager dealing with it directly like at college would they give you advice mm. on no. if this situation comes up you go to your manager if your management there i think you do this or this is how you handle it and... i doubt it like i said i don't I know how it is these days <laughs> i think most people would use thing. their common sense like in that in that in that case i was just like oh this has just happened and they were like yep that's fine <laughs> um that yeah that was bad management i mean i um, it, it really depends on the manager. Hey, I've had mm. managers who were really good with it. Like, again, I can mention the plow as an example where we've, I've recently worked where, um, yeah, I was working on the door and there were some guys sat just there who just kept asking, like, you know, just asking me questions in a way that was really personal. And mm. I was like, oh, I don't really want to talk to you. I don't really want to mm. answer your questions. And yes, I can push back. That's fine. But it gets annoying at some point. Mm. And so there I said something to my manager and he immediately was like, do you want me to kick them out? I can kick them out. I was like, no, no, it's fine. I just don't want to be on the door at this point. So then he said, like, fine, I'll go on the door for you. And that's a good way of handling it. I mean, this But is, it doesn't yeah. always happen that way. I had this situation at Loki play out a few times and, then, and weirdly and unexpectedly to men. Um, so you mm, get your sort it of... It happens always. Yeah, and I would, I would go and have to deal with it. Like, I remember I had one young guy who was like 18, 19, um, and he was looking guy kind of looked like harry styles like really young looking pop star looking guy and i think it was like a hen party or something typically a hen oh party. they're the worst oh yeah. my god like and he came he came into the kitchen and he was like i don't want to go back upstairs and he i think he'd passed some glasses or something and they were like oh you've got such long fingers i can imagine what you could do with those fingers <laughs> and all this sort of shit and he was fucking traumatized because he, he's like yeah, a really yes. shy young boy Wow. And so I had to go upstairs to these women and be like, I'm like, I've got a member of staff like who won't come out of the fucking kitchen because he's so embarrassed. And, you know, you can't treat people like this. And these were like lawyers, you know, these were high standing members of the public. But it's like, oh, it's all right for you to sort of do that. So I, I dealt with many situations like that. 
I think the worst comes men. out in people when they're in a kind of party situation. Grabbing guys' like, cups. Oh, we're having a great time. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, my ex-boyfriend used like, to work at Pitcher and Piano and they had loads of Hindus there, obviously. And they'd regularly just like grab us balls and things like, like that. Can you imagine? So imagine that yeah. happening the other way around. There's no way. So yeah, like I've, especially having worked in hospitality for a while, like yeah, very much at the beginning, you just accepted you'd get your ass felt at a tenor, whatever. Uh, you know, it's just what happened. But um, don't leave that. <laughs> but um, but I mean, in my experience, especially the past maybe five or six years, I could just don't get that anymore. Maybe it's because I'm old. I don't know. <laughs> Shit, I've just realised that's what it is. But um, but no, she's not missing that, the harassment. That's I'll, not I'll, what she's I'll saying. Cult, cult, no, I'm not. Um, the culture's kind yeah. of changed. Like guys are afraid to do that stuff now. But actually, mm. it's I've seen like ma- like young males being targeted more. Like with the harassment, it's really weird. I've still haven't re- recently worked in service. You still see that a lot, and you see it a lot more towards younger girls working in service. I just don't want that to be misconstrued. I know we laughed. <laughs> we laughed every time you said about it. Yeah, it's not funny. Yeah, yeah, it's it really not funny. That really shouldn't be happening. Funny, like, but this yeah. is, again, I think it was a kind of part of the environment I, you work I and think you that's, have that's, to laugh about it. Yeah, well, that's the thick skin you grow when yeah. you've worked that's in that environment That's kind of my point is that when you've worked in this environment for a long time, you're just like, oh, and you And it's just a funny it story in this situation in this Because it hasn't been dealt with properly by managers because they do things like say, oh, just, you know, it's they're spending money so when that's when the person that is supposed to be looking after you and protecting you just tells you to brush it off it becomes something you just do you just brush it off but that's so wrong and you make a joke of it because what else can you do because like you're being paid to work in an environment where you're supposed to just accept it so what do you yeah and that's that's it's it's still to a large extent that's still the, the industry though so yeah I'm not saying it's right and again like, we know you're joking yeah, yeah, you yeah, work yeah. For... we've got to know you a little bit here I mean, <laughs> you're having a laugh but somebody listening to this in two or three weeks time sitting in an office like they might they're not going to take it as a joke as we yeah, are yeah, yeah. no yeah, obviously no, it's it's not funny at all it's not funny but for I know you that, when it happens either it happens not funny for anyone no and it's definitely something managers and companies can do is make sure it's like the staff training on it so a young 18 year old does feel like so if this happens just to let you know it's not acceptable and if you feel that any in any way uncomfortable you come and tell us and we'll make sure it's dealt with straight away if everyone knows that straight away then that's a good help so because i mean yeah. even now i mean i've been in that situation loads and actually i find it easier as someone who manages that situation when it happens like, i can quite happily go in and be like okay you need to get out you can't do that to my staff mm-hmm. but when it's me in that position like if it were to happen like tomorrow i would probably still just be like oh, okay like i wouldn't because i don't really like confrontation from a personal point of yeah. view so i would probably just be like uh yeah okay and i'd just put up with it and deal with it and go but when i'm protecting I, I someone over- else i will like i don't give a shit i think i've over time just developed ways of making people feel really really uncomfortable <laughs> when they do behave that way towards yeah. you yeah. <laughs> you, you you get your own little strategies. I think maybe this is something they need to teach in school, to be honest with you. It's like how to deal with like harassment with and harassment uncomfortable in situations. And actually yeah. just like standing up for yourself in general. And But there again, I mean, we've brought up examples of harassment towards women in hospitality and towards men in hospitality. It does happen towards men as well. I'd still like to argue that harassment is one of those things where as a woman, you will, by the time you're an adult, have had many examples of it happening and mm. you will know that, you know, certain things like you walking down the street in the dark 
when it's late, mm. you're going to be scared on some level. Mm -hmm. Those kind of things. That's normal for you. It's not necessarily something that's normal for a man to grow up with and really understand on that level. Yeah. So again, then when you have um, businesses that are run by men, managed by men, you don't necessarily they don't necessarily think about it because they've never had to concentrate. Yeah, they don't think that when yeah. you finish your shift at two in the morning and then they just send you off that you're like, oh, um, you know, actually. I'm scared to get yeah, home. Yeah. I'm scared to and actually, like, you know, maybe, get a bus or something like that. Yeah, because I mean, again, I've had staff, female staff who they won't get the bus after work because they said, well, they don't feel comfortable. So then they, no. they'll pay for a taxi. So they're having to spend more because of of this whole situation, whereas like some guys don't have that same yep. issue. And it, mm. We said about maybe we should teach um, people how to react to um, harassment. Maybe we should teach people to stop being fucking creeps yeah <laughs> shit man that's a really good idea <laughs> it's unfortunate when it's an environment where there's alcohol involved like yeah even like we shouldn't think, have to be reactionary yeah, it should but it's, just it's not even exist. people who think that they're perfectly decent people all of a sudden yeah these people so doing it don't think they're doing different. they they're yeah. not doing anything they're doing something wrong no, they just then, think oh this is fine banter this, comes this is up fine. again because yeah, banter is one of those things which that can mean anything really and there's a lot of banter in hospitality on all levels again between stuff between management and stuff between yeah, customers we all have and tough stuff. skins and a dark yeah. sense of humor yeah. like i always Most say that, that banter yeah. isn't very welcome <laughs> it's just yeah it's kind of how you get through it i always say that before i got into this industry i was a really nice person <laughs> i was never <laughs> um but i love it though as well i I, lo I do love the banter and i do love like i i actually really enjoy that if that were to go i'd actually be quite sad because that's what gets you through the hard yeah. times actually is when you know you can go to the kitchen pass and just like say something awful and then everyone like kind of join in and it's it's kind of how you get through these sort of like long hours i know but there's there's boundaries within oh, that yeah, and i sure. think these boundaries need to be made clearer within businesses because it's also not just it's also to protect people because yes what i take as banter the next person might get really offended yeah, by definitely. or might feel harassed by and if say if you're somebody working there you have banter with one person somebody new starts you have banter with them they take it the wrong way they go and report you and say that you've harassed them mm. Mm. that's reading that's, people that, that's, really isn't it but, uh, and yeah, they probably but it is and it isn't business. because you, would, you yeah. shouldn't have to deal with that so there should be even though it makes the work environment a bit more boring mm. there should be clear guidance mm. from management what's acceptable you need what a banter policy acceptable. you do need a banter policy <laughs> yeah banter as, policy. As she, actually this would solve so much though it's like <laughs> you can banter about these things that's fine it is, you but don't as, talk about as, people's sisters, about people's mothers. Yeah, don't ask them whether they had sex <laughs> last night or like who their new boyfriend is. I don't know. It really, they're, they're, as, as, as bad and as boring as it sounds, yes, a banter policy or some clear policies around what is deemed a bit of harm's mm. banter, what is deemed harassment is necessary to some extent. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so what one person thinks is banter, the other person <laughs> would not think is banter. So it's, it's really yeah. Like, I think that's the problem we have as a society. Like everyone's... Uh, well, we're all different, Talking aren't we? About... We've all got different boundaries. We've got different levels. Yeah. Um, and that's what makes us beautiful people. But also it can make it difficult. Yeah. and Because if we're all the same, it'd be pretty boring. But yeah, it's... Again, but it's bringing it back to the whole... What a lot of hospitality is built on is the ability to read people and to read a situation. Mm. Chefs it's, don't it's, learn how to read Yeah. People, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like five being other people. a chef that you don't have to see the people and you can swear at them profusely all the time. I feel like a, a lot goes to the business as well. So you ha you have like Sam and Tally. 
you know pretty much what they stand for and mm. what mm. their whole ethos is from the outside. So you can choose to work there and say, well, I'll, pretty, I'll be happy working there because I know they what their morals are. They fit with mine. Same with like yeah. Zoe and Punks and Chances. Yeah. She, it's very, it's just painfully obvious what she stands for. So yeah. yeah, I'll go and work there, you know. so Things can still go wrong though because they don't necessarily see yeah. anything that happens, yeah. if you know what I mean. And mm. it's then that thing of that it's made clear mm. That you know they're approachable and you can go and talk to them. Like we've had incidents there before where we did have that conversation afterwards, where they were like, "Well, you know, you can talk to us about everything." Just mm. like, yeah, make it clear, make mm. clear from the start to all of, all of your staff if like whatever happens, bring up examples mm-hmm. that you know. I think you it's want them to talk to you, come to you, tell you. It's definitely easier, I think, for me these days because I've you know I'm older and wiser in some ways and I find it much easier now to call up you know my boss or whoever and say okay right there's there's this issue needs to be dealt with or like there's been this problem with this person and we need to deal with that whereas when I was younger you again just would shut up and put up Mm. like there's there's no way now that I would um put up with somebody sexually harassing me like a customer or a member of staff and not be like actually yeah no shutting that down but that just comes with age. And I think as you get older, your tolerance for bullshit is way lower. But, you know, it's not really right that, that people should on. have to go through that journey. No, exactly. And it's on to management to make it perfectly acceptable to talk about those things yeah. and bring them up when they happen. Not like five weeks after, because then you can't really do anything about mm. it anymore. I'm all for just barring people that pull that sort of shit, though. <laughs> you know, and that's the nice thing about working in, an, in for an independent is that you can just say, you know, if there's a customer who is causing, it doesn't have to be sexual harassment, or any kind of trouble, you, you have the power to go, you are not welcome here. You don't have, you can't really do that for a lot of bigger places. It's very mm. much the customer is always right. Mm. But that comes back to staff training as well. It's just, yeah, the yeah. staff need to know they have that power yeah, to do that. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. trust the staff not to abuse that power yeah. and just start like, banning everyone that dislike Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so whose it's, it's difficult. Sorry. So whose idea is the Kate? Is it Kate Fishlock? Casey, Casey Fishlock. Yeah. Um, I think she contacted Sam, didn't she, on Instagram and uh, inquired about doing an exhibition. Is that right? Yeah. Because this Sam, happened before Sam quite I came along. Likes her work generally. Mm. I mean, he likes. She's quite cheeky with her artwork mm. and things. Yeah, like the that. art's I like, really nice. I like the way you put. She's quite cheeky, cheeky. with the artwork. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> one way. One way of putting it. <laughs> Yeah, her artwork tends to be quite explicit in place. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I put all the artwork up yesterday um, and over the period of 10 hours, hence why I'm covered in dust and tired. Um, yeah, so her, her work is explicit. That could be, yeah, it says, mm. yeah it's explicit. Yes. It very much explores, um, well, a lot of what we're talking about, really. Um, the female view of things and the arms looking at me like going, Do you need to <laughs> um i love her work actually it's great and you guys are coming to the yeah, launch on yeah, friday which should be really good it's on um, for a while isn't it yeah it's on yeah, for yeah for a month so people can come down and look at it anytime um you can come down on mother's day if you want to bring your mom along <laughs> so watch our instagram for that one i guess but um yeah katie fishlock's work is it on the surface i think probably looks um well it's definitely all about the female form and like female view but it's really about exploring femininity for yeah. everyone really and that's what i really love about her work is it's not like you know 
it's not just for one audience. It's very much encouraging like guys also to explore their relationship with their feminine side, which is actually, I think, a big part in actually what we're talking about. It may be sort of getting people to think more about not harassing women. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, that's a good start. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, and, and just Surprise. because we're living in an age now where I think it's actually more acceptable for men to express their female side and not be called like metrosexual or whatever and not to be seen as a weakness. And in the same way for for females to explore their feminine side. I mean, I've grown up in a very male-dominated environment. And so actually it's only as I grow older that I am exploring my feminine side because I've not really been able to because it's a male-dominated world that I've been in where you have to have a tough skin. You know, you can't be emotional at work and you have to just like grin and bear it and carry on. That's very masculine mm-hmm. energy that makes that happen. I think for me, femininity is... is- come around to a different kind of place where it's like you say it used to be that idea for me that because it's I've, I've always worked in this very male dominated environment and you know it's all those kind of things like you're you're not wearing nice clothes you're wearing whatever uniform or chef's chef's whites or whatever and um, I've always had short hair since I started working in hospitality just because it's much easier and I I used to struggle with that kind of like still feeling feminine and having all those things and I think it's come around for me that that doesn't define femininity you don't have to wear a pretty tea dress and make no exactly like that that doesn't define femininity so I can I can still be an incredibly feminine person woman um like yeah without Mm. all the traditionally feminine traits essentially if that makes yeah. any sense like that's just that's it's a very really deep topic femininity. actually the and that's kind of the whole point of the artwork i mean she yeah. spoke she is um like a sex coach she's been sort of studying to all that kind of stuff and so she's been speaking to a lot of people about like their their relationship to their femininity and this sort of thing so the work's sort of been drawn from those interviews basically um and it's yeah it's it's quite interesting and th- thought provoking and just generally provoking it's um, <laughs> quite provoking yeah. yeah it's uh yeah i quite enjoy it i hope you guys enjoy it when you come to see it yeah well, i've seen a confused. lot of her art on the in- on insta and it's bright as i spent 10 hours putting it like 10 foot <laughs> pieces yeah. i was just like jesus gross my eyes i think that's why i've had a banging headache yeah, it's really yeah, great yeah. see shades got, next such time such a white space there I don't know, <laughs> yeah. for people who've been to wine freedom it's just this big white warehouse essentially yeah. isn't it? it's totally transformed going on actually. yeah with the yeah. artwork up it looks amazing and it's huge big bold work like just in content and in like mm. li- literally as well but um <laughs> yeah it gets the conversation there's going. a massive strap on on one of the walls <laughs> it's the female pegging one yeah yeah it's this bit of pegging going, it? yeah. but i mean again that's about sort of women sort of like recapturing that masculine energy and taking control yeah, i wouldn't even and... see it as masculine energy it's just that <laughs> kind of like femininity as strength basically mm. i guess yeah I mean, if i put a strap on and fuck someone i'd feel pretty i'd feel pretty feminine and yeah. strong <laughs> I don't know, you guys, how do you feel about pegging? Where are we on pegging? You know what? I'm up for it, but not with <laughs> someone that's never done it before. Yeah, no. I'll be like, no, I know what my wife, like, she's, we brought it up. Yeah. And like, lube, where's the lube, guys? Like, no, 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 you've not done this. I want no. someone that knows what they're doing if this is going to happen. Anyway, I know, it's pretty podcast. hard to say to your wife, I suppose. I read an interesting vice article the other day. I don't, you know when you fall down a rabbit hole and it was it was uh, instructions on, uh, for guys on how to speak to your girlfriend about asking to be pegged? 
Oh, right. So the conversation's taken a turn. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How long is the art up for? Is it a whole month or? Yeah, pretty much. Was it March 28th? I think we might do something like that. I can check my calendar. But yeah, yeah, I don't know what yeah. she said yeah. to you yeah. when she's taken it down, but it's definitely yeah. the end of the month. It's supposed to be I think you'll probably be March. me taking it down. Oh, yeah, there you go. It's available to buy as well. It is available, it is available to buy, so hopefully it will be all sold by the end of the exhibition. I've already got dibs on the best piece. Which is about, which is about, uh, what is, is it? Being burnt burn out. It's the burnout. <laughs> burnout. And I was like, so your I remember at the, at the start, though. yeah, I was like this, especially for the whole COVID time for me was just when everyone else was getting furloughed, I was working 90 hour weeks and I was like burnt out to shit. And um, so, yeah, when I saw that piece, it's just like a big 10 foot like banner that just says burnout with some big lips and I was just like I feel like I relate to this and then after spending 10 hours screaming at the walls trying to put this artwork up I looked at that and I was like kind of made me a little bit angry I was just like oh I was like I still want it but um, it's taunting you but yeah yeah it did feel like it was taunting me I was just like God damn it. it is wow. up for most of the month. We will have some other events, and we've got, um, we've got female a, a wine, wine bottles tasting. as well. The wine bottles oh, yeah. are really cool. So she's done limited editions label, limited edition labels for wine bottles that are also available to buy. Which I'll be putting all the labels on in. tomorrow. <laughs> and you've got a wine got, flight that's yeah, all wine from female winemaker wine, wine flights. Yeah. Um, are we just going to have the one on? Um, mm-hmm. I think we've got options for female wine maker wine flights we'll be changing them like week by week yeah. really so we'll be tweaking them a little bit so it won't That's be like it. the same winemakers we'll sort of mix um, it up over the month on the 20th on a sunday we've got a female voices event on with a singer songwriter called lucy mellonfield who does really lovely sort of folky jazzy atmospheric stuff and um and a poet a female poet is going to read some poetry which is going to be a really nice event and then yeah at the end of the month we're supposed to have an all female six course menu on on hopefully on Mother's but Day. But we're working on <laughs> we're working on it at the moment. <laughs> but it's um so yeah definitely if your mother's the sort of person who doesn't mind having food with someone with the strap on, like <laughs> <In front of laughs> sat right next to her, then like yeah. we are totally the place for you. Thanks very much for coming on and <laughs> talking about. Um, <laughs> Looks a little bit scared. <laughs> Difficult. Like, Thanks, sir. We're gonna go <laughs> now. Gonna... You guys are terrifying. This is the pegging episode. <laughs> pegging episode. <laughs> No, you know what? I'm glad we had this conversation because talking about International Women's Day, and yeah. we feel awkward because right. we're two two blokes. Like we have empathy, high levels of empathy, but we don't have true empathy because we've never lived yeah, it. You yeah. know. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to have you two on to come in. Well, thanks for little... asking us, man, because like people don't often ask these questions. Actually, to be fair. All right, we ain't got time for my questions. We can oh, get no, thrown no, out in a sec. Oh, oh no, no, it's just the. Favorite TV show and stuff like that. Question. Oh, oh that could we can we quickly do that? Can oh shit! Do that? <laughs> I'll do them really, really quick. Oh, we'll do it. Okay. Yeah. So the lights go down. It will be very quick. Of these, so please, quick answers. <laughs> Favorite TV show. Bollocks. Um, I haven't heard of that that's one. That's not a TV <laughs> show. <laughs> oh shit! You 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 answer. I'll do I'm next. a real sucker for RuPaul's Drag Race. Although it's like in its what. 13th edition, 100 <laughs> seasons, and it's all the same every time, but I'm still watching it. Um, but it's a good one because that's also one where you can really find like strength and femininity. Because I think drag is one of those amazing yeah. examples of like hyper fem- femininity as armor almost. Vic, gossip girl, <laughs> <laughs> that's not my answer, but no. it's the only Next. thing that's popping in my head. It's your favorite movie. Oh, God, I'm such a basic bitch. Um, favorite movie, Jeez, maybe 
Lost in Translation. Mm, it's a good one. Ha- Howl's <laughs> Moving Castle. Studio well, Ghibli. I love that film. Yeah. Nice. Um, Favourite big fast food chain? Meat Shack. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I don't eat fast food. Five Guys. Yeah. Isn't five Guys. A lot of people say Five Guys. Yeah, let's yeah. go with Five Guys. Yeah, I don't. Uh, what's your favourite type of takeaway? Uh, meat Shack. <laughs> I love Meat Shack. I'm vegetarian now as well. I oh, I need to think of a better answer. <laughs> um, Bone Daddy. No, shit. Um, <laughs> Indian? No, flakes from Mosley, because they always give me loads of free scallops. Love them. <laughs> With a bottle of champagne. That's any, that's any, any kind yeah, of pizza. I don't discriminate. And what's your favourite food destination in the world? South Africa. 100% love it. And best wine destination. Yeah, wine destination. Um... South East Asia. Yeah. Or well, Asia in general, the whole of it. Can't go wrong. Isn't it good luck being a vegetarian in South Africa? Yeah. <laughs> wow. No, it's not too bad actually, because I, I eat, eat fish, so that's oh, fine. Okay. But, um, but oh my god, the heavy food in South heavy Africa is in heavy. <laughs> Sorry. Very good. Heavy bro. Oh, I've actually got South African food. Yeah, I'm I love South Africa. Awesome. I love a good prize. <laughs> As a vegetarian. Hey man, you, you called me racist earlier for no, thinking about doing an Irish accent. That's true, when you said South Africa, I was just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, Food all, is incredible. It's incredible. So good. Be- best sushi yeah. I've ever had, and I've been to yeah, Japan. Yeah. Um, Cape Town. Yeah, yeah, Cape Town sushi oh, is incredible. Mm. Cool. Amazing. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs>